Hi everyone, David Harris here with you for Criminal Injustice and Words Matter. The Truth Matters. A little reflection for you on the events of January 6th, 2021. You all know what happened that day by now. This was the day in which thousands of people at a demonstration in Washington, D.C. were inflamed and egged on by the President of the United States and others in the President's circle. Those people marched to the capital of the United States, invaded the building, broke in, desecrated the place. You know the story already. You've seen the video and the pictures. I'd like to tell you a few things that this has brought to mind. I guess I want to say first uh, how deeply disturbing and painful this whole thing has been to witness, to think about, to talk about. I'm no different than you in that respect, I'm sure. Um, But there are some things that are so bedrock to me uh, that I've really kind of had difficulty for a few days bringing my thoughts together, and I want to share them with you now. Uh, As is probably obvious, I'm an American. I was born in this country. I was born in the middle of this country in Chicago. I'm an American. Democracy and the rule of law have always been kind of the air I breathe, second nature, whatever you want to say. They've always been there. And I've never really had to question whether we would have them or not. I'm also a lawyer. And I'm proud of it. I've I've heard all the jokes. You've heard them too. But I feel great pride in being a lawyer. I feel pride in every lawyer job I've had, even the ones I haven't liked entirely. I feel pride in having been a law clerk to the beloved judge that I worked for. I feel pride in my work at the law firm many years ago. I feel great pride in my work as a public defender also many years ago and huge pride in my work as a law professor for now over 30 years. So what we saw, what I saw on January 6th was deeply, profoundly disturbing. A large crowd inflamed and egged on by the president, as I said, and his ultimate lawyer behaving badly, Rudy Giuliani, marched on, invaded the Capitol, and attempted a government takeover. What else can you call that in order to stop the certification of a democratically conducted election that would have resulted in the naming of Joe Biden as the next president. Now, let let me tell you something. I tell all of my law students 
two things in each and every class I ever teach. Just, and this is all, the, you know, aside from the content of the course. At some point near the beginning of the course, and this is always true in the beginning, the basic courses, the first year courses that I teach, I tell them that words matter. They have to read court opinions and documents with the closest possible attention and with the greatest care. They have to read every word. You know, this. Uh, the, these, the, you've heard this expression perhaps, TLDR, too long, didn't read. You know, the way people just, you know, they want the, give me the summary. Give me the, give me the core of it. Give me the, uh, the bottom line. Well, no, not in the law. Words matter. No word in a court opinion or a statute can be disregarded. They all mean something and they're there for a reason and they have real consequences. Using them correctly, using them truthfully when we speak in the public is a matter of great importance. The other thing I tell all my classes, and this usually comes at the end of the course, is that the rule of law in our country, our laws, our constitution, the fact that we live in a country of laws and not men or dictators or just people deciding for themselves, this is one of the most important gifts our country enjoys. No, not all laws are correct. Not all of them are perfect. Even the constitution at least when it was first written, was deeply flawed. But woe betide us as a country if we lose focus as in a general way on our rule by laws. And I tell my students that we as lawyers have a unique position in our society and of course in our government. We, have, we don't own the rule of law, but we have a special relationship to it and responsibility for it, to keep it safe, to make it work right when it isn't right, when it's unjust, to fix it, and to explain it to our fellow Americans so they also know what a gift we all enjoy. Those two concepts, that words matter and truthful words maybe matter the most, and the rule of law, these two ideas took grave body blows on January 6th. Now, the people who did this action, who carried it out. They did this for a whole bunch of reasons, I'm sure, but mostly because they have been fed and they have believed a steady diet of lies by the president and his many enablers in Congress and in friendly media channels that support him. These lies started from the first day the president took office in 2017 with the weird claims about the size of his inauguration crowd that was demonstrably false. And this was the beginning. And the lies continued day after day after day after month, year, and here we are. 
in the 10 weeks after the November 2020 election, of course, they continued. The lies kept coming, but they took on a much darker, more sinister, and more important turn than ever. The election had been stolen. Trump won, but officials and vote counters and secretaries of state and voting machines and the companies that programmed them, they had all stolen the election from Trump, who was the rightful winner. And these lies came thick and fast, and they were used to whip up demonstrations and invective and anger. None of this was true. None of it. There were smears and allegations. There were press releases and press conferences, statements and demands, but no evidence. There was no evidence at all. Now, I did a bonus piece on this that was posted on December 23rd that you might remember. I talked about the lawsuits because the president and his allies went to court with these claims that the election had been stolen. There were lawsuits, dozens of them. I, I think the count was, was it 50 or 60 more? But in no case, not one, did a judge find any fact proven by real evidence, not by outraged statements, but evidence that would substantiate any of the allegations made. They were lies all the way through, just lies and lies about the most central aspect of democracy, the result of the vote of the people. Hard not to notice that all the lies seem to be directed at the results of just the contested states that Biden won. Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, and my own state of Pennsylvania. Now, North Carolina, also a battleground state, right? Also very tight. But Trump won there. So, no lies, no challenges. It's important to remember, though, that this is only the last and latest stage of a campaign of lies that started January 20th of 2017, right? It started also with Trump, but he was joined and he was pumped up. The lies were repeated relentlessly by his members of his own party and friends in the media. These people, of course, knew better. I mean, they weren't contesting their own party's other candidates or their own elections in those same states. Think about it. You had people in Pennsylvania, elected officials who were standing up for the president and repeating his lies, but somehow these massive frauds of in voting didn't affect them. It just affected Trump, not anybody else anywhere else, right? 
Um, they knew and they went along because, well, riding this lie train of the last four years had benefited them. And they seemed to think that this was the way to go to sustain their own career, even after the loss of Trump in the election. Just stay with the lies, yell them louder, make them bigger. The big lie. Well, we've all seen where this took us. A mob, some of them armed with weapons, automatic weapons, inflamed by the president, encouraged by numerous enablers in the Senate and the House of the United States who had announced that they would challenge the electoral vote count, these people stormed the Capitol building. They invaded it. They broke doors and windows. They forced the evacuation of the vice president because of the danger, and others in the line of presidential succession, and the members of both chambers. They defiled the place, scrawling obscene and deeply threatening and disturbing messages, broke things, making themselves right at home. They carried flags of the traitorous slaveholding confederacy. Some wore shirts applauding the murder of six million Jews and five million others by Hitler and Nazi Germany. The racism, anti-Semitism, and fascism, they were clear for everyone to see right on our own televisions and computers and phones. You could not miss it. I got to say one other detail stuck out to me. Some of these people carried not just automatic weapons, but zip ties. Now, do you know what a zip tie is? Zip ties are these plastic handcuffs used by the military and the police. Right? So if you want to know what some of these people, clearly not all of them, but some of these people intended to do on this occasion, Ask yourself, what does a person armed with a weapon, a firearm, and zip ties do with those things? What were they planning to do? Who was going to end up handcuffed and forced at gunpoint out of that building and kidnapped, executed? Who knows? But think about that. Also think about the pipe bombs left behind at the Republican National Committee and the Democratic National Committee buildings. Those things are not instruments of protest. They aren't Trump flags or signs. They are used to take prisoners and to kill. Do not hide your eyes from this. Understand what was intended here. Democracy and our democratic government had a near-death experience on January 6th of 2021, and it is likely that another attempt on the patient's life is going to be made. Those who were there have largely been spared arrests, as I'm sure you have noticed. The prosecutions and jailings that there that were seemed so appropriate for this summer's marches of Black Lives Matter protesters, to say nothing of the violent and aggressive crowd control techniques. 
And they seem to have all gone back to their homes and their media universes, uh, and they're congratulating themselves all over social media. Look, look for yourself. Demand, friends, that your government and your neighbors join you in safeguarding and nurturing our democracy. Everything comes to that. Everything depends on it. Now, what might you expect me to do here? Would you expect me to talk about the crimes that were committed and what they were? Yes, that would be appropriate. And I'll do that, probably take that on in another bonus episode. Um, any of those people who invaded the Capitol could be charged with trespass, rioting, vandalism, malicious destruction of property, aggravated menacing, all as the facts and evidence dictate. And there is going to be plenty of evidence because the Capitol, I can tell you I've been there, is just about as full of cameras as any building you could imagine. And the leaders, the arrangers of the attack, the planners, those folks... I'm thinking seditious conspiracy, 28 U.S.C. 2384. And, of course, that could include the people who addressed that meeting that became the mob, right? But let's, you know, we don't have to go there now. As I said, we can return to that. Uh, there'll be a lot of time spent on who's to blame here, aside from the question of criminal charges. Are the Capitol Police to blame for this happening? Well, yeah, sure. Oh, it's not yet clear just how deep those flaws went and who's responsible and who made the consequential mistakes. The National Guard, they weren't there. The Metro D.C. Police, where were they? Well, maybe they bear some blame, too. But Trump... Don Jr. and Giuliani who encouraged the crowd to march to the Capitol? Absolutely. But there's another group that I want to talk about that really bears responsibility. I think in a certain respect this is just as important and maybe more so as who gets criminally charged. And this group is all of the people who enabled and stood by the president's vicious lying for years and not just the lies in the last 10 weeks about the vote. It's not enough to say now, oh, wow, I'm shocked about what happened. Look at what the president did on January 6th when he egged on that crowd with his statements about the election being stolen. Because the weeks of lies about the vote may be the worst series of lies, and perhaps they are what directly triggered the Capitol riot. But while shocking and horrible, the invasion of the Capitol was the predictable culmination of years of lies. And so many in the president's party just went along. They joined in or just never said anything out of fear of losing their jobs. Where were they? Because words matter. The truth matters, and they either didn't care or put themselves and their party above the country. 
Now, I won't waste your time here by giving it to people who resigned from the administration after this terrible incident, like Secretary of Transportation Elaine Chao and Secretary of Education Betsy Voss. The latter of these two writes a letter to Trump saying, this is the last straw, horrible. Now, give me a break. Now you resign with two weeks left? As someone said to me, this is literally just giving two weeks notice. No, the people who bear the greatest blame outside of the president and his inner circle are members of Congress, particularly sitting senators. They could have stood up. They could have challenged his lying and misbehavior early on. Instead, they didn't do it. They were happy to go along and try riding that tiger as far as it would take them. Now, right now, Senators Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley are the easiest targets and perhaps the most awful faces of this whole debacle. They went ahead with their completely false and inflammatory challenges to the certification of the election even after the invasion of their own building. Hawley, shooting those who broke down the doors and windows a power fist before they did that. But let's focus on some others, because that's really where the problem was for years. Let's talk about Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, former best pal of the late Senator John McCain. And McCain knew what Trump was every bit and loathed him. After McCain's death... Graham somehow changes into one of Trump's best friends in the Senate and one of his chief enablers and wingmen. Yes, a big Trump fan. But this, January 6th, this terrible event, just too much for him. Here's Senator Graham speaking on Wednesday night, January 6th, after the invasion of the Capitol. And, well, it's it's all just too much now. Listen up. This is from CNN. Trump and I, we've had a hell of a journey. I hate it then this way. Oh my God, I hate it. From my point of view, he's been a consequential president. But today, first thing you'll see, all I can say is uh, count me out. Enough is enough. I've tried to be helpful. Fraud. They say there's 66,000 people in Georgia under 18 voted. How many people believe that? I asked, give me 10. And I had one. They said 8,000 felons in prison in Arizona voted. Give me 10. I hadn't gotten one. Does that say there's, there's problems in every election? I don't buy this. Enough's enough. We got to end it. Yeah, just, you know, no proof. Nothing. Count me out. But this was the same Lindsey Graham who was calling the Secretary of State in Georgia just weeks ago to see if he could motivate him to come up with some more votes for Trump. But up to this moment, the, of the people invading the Capitol with guns, breaking in, He's happy to go along and back up every single lie, little and big, including lies about the election, 
after it was over and done with. Until now, when it's just too much. And let me talk a little bit about one of my own senators, Senator Pat Toomey. Senator Toomey, who announced prior to the election that he would not seek re-election in two years, said that he found the effort to stop the certification of the Electoral College vote by Cruz and Hawley and others, he found it disgusting. He said this before the rioters breached the Capitol. And he said in his remarks Wednesday night that Congress had no constitutional power to change the election results. None. And he even raised that question about why there were only objections to the states that Trump lost and not others. But then he concluded with this. This is from C-SPAN. Joe Biden won the election. That's not what I had hoped for, but that's what happened. It was an honest victory with the usual minor irregularities that occur in most elections. We witnessed today the damage that can result when men in power and responsibility refuse to acknowledge the truth. We saw bloodshed because the demagogue chose to spread falsehoods and sow distrust of his own fellow Americans. Let's not abet such deception. There it is. No evidence. Lies. And he calls Trump a demagogue. And yet, in another speech on the same night, Senator Toomey told us this. Also from C-SPAN. I voted for President Trump. I publicly endorsed President Trump. I campaigned for President Trump. I did not want Joe Biden to win this election. So, Senator Toomey, you only saw President Trump as a demagogue after the election? When he started to lie about that? Well, let me help you here. Here's a definition I just pulled up off the internet of demagogue. A demagogue is a political leader who seeks support by appealing to popular desires and prejudices rather than by using rational argument. Okay, so let's review. Trump begins his journey to political prominence years ago by relentless lies about President Obama's birthplace. Not born in the United States. Where's the birth certificate? With no evidence. Trying to say that the first black president is not qualified to be president. Trying to delegitimize him. Trump begins his campaign for president by descending the escalator in his building and calling Mexican people in the United States rapists and murderers. Trump calls climate change a Chinese hoax, then denies he ever said it and deletes that very comment from his Twitter feed. He lies about Ted Cruz's father, implying that he was somehow involved in the Kennedy assassination, and he smears Ted Cruz's wife. And then he finally becomes president. That was all from before he was president. He finally becomes president, and he's telling black female members of Congress to, quote, go back to their countries. They're all Americans, of course. He tells Jews that unless they support him, they are, quote, disloyal. I could go on, of course, Senator. There is so much material. But the point is, Senator Toomey, 
You knew. You all did. And yet, now, oh no, too much. I can't support the demagogue. Friends, words have consequences. Words of presidents have real consequences. They are actions. Lies have consequences. Attacking the rule of law has awful consequences. It is my hope that these consequences, aided and abetted by all of Trump's enablers, for so long, I hope that these consequences are not irreversible and our democracy and the rule of law can recover. That's it. My reflections on the events of January 6th. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk to you. I'm David Harris, and I'll be back with you next time.